what if? What if the struggle isn't real? What if everything you've been told is impossible is actually deliciously feasible? What if you could work anywhere, travel, find your purpose, all while growing your wealth and not spending it? Welcome to the Struggle Isn't Real podcast. I'm Cody Sanchez-Baker, and, and my job here is to share how normal people have self-designed their lives, relationships, jobs, and bodies. The question to ask yourself is simply this. What if it was easy? Today I have a really fun guest on the podcast, one that I now consider a good friend and confidant. You may know her as at paleochef on Instagram and paleochef.com. I know her as simply Mary. And Mary is really just kind of a badass. Um, What Mary has done for paleo as far as making it interesting, easy to do, edgy, and uniquely, as she would say, non-recipe oriented is kind of astounding. She uh, hates when people talk about all of the celebrities and all of the CEOs and all of the movers and shakers that she cooks for. Um, So I won't tell you all of the names except to say that if you go on her website at uh, at paleochef.com, you're going to see too many names that you recognize. Because you see, Mary is a celebrity chef. Uh, She goes and does pop-ups all around the country as well, experimenting with ways to do paleo you, as she said. So your own unique body's way of accessing paleo. But what's cool about Mary too is that it wasn't enough for her to be a celebrity chef and it wasn't enough for her to uh, be an Instagram influencer and a blogger and a pop-up-er, but she also uh, decided that she needed to create her own product. So she owns a product called Fat Fudge and you can find them at Fat Fudge. And this is sort of like the happiest way that you could eat healthy on the go. Uh, and so it comes in these amazing little packets that are all paleo and organic and surprisingly tasty. And so um, on this podcast, we talk about Mary's journey for sure, but we also really dig into all of her unconventional ways that she has built up multiple businesses, how she's done it all without funding, how she hasn't even leveraged or taken advantage of her network, really. She does it very privately behind the scenes as a private chef. That kind of makes sense. And um, and we talk about what she does in the morning that may surprise you, about how to let things come to you as opposed to go after them. Uh, and the way that her non-traditional approach to business has perhaps created more traditional success than what I typically think of, which is grind, 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 push, push, push. So she always pushes back on me about that. So without further ado, I'll let Mary explain it to you much better than I. I hope you enjoy this little convo with Mary, the paleo chef. All right. Welcome to another episode. I'm pretty excited here. I have my friend who I just confirmed the proper way to pronounce her last name. I'm I'm so embarrassed. I didn't know. Mary Shenuda, who if you guys don't know her as Mary Shenuda, you know her as Mary the Paleo Chef. And um, she's a badass. We met, I don't know, six, eight months ago, maybe something like that. Sounds about right. Yep. At an AppSumo, Sumo Me conference. And I sat in on her given an epic little breakout about Instagram. And was totally struck just by the authenticity 
and how to do it in a world of people talking about tactics and tools and follow for follows and all this stuff. Even with her 94,000 fans, she was not about that jam. So Mary, I'm stoked to have you. Thank you. I'm um, humbled that you found any of that impressive or memorable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I absolutely did. And I have all these questions that I've been ruminating for you. And I'm going to like actually kind of go out of order because uh, of the last thought I just had, which is you're a paleo chef, you're a private chef, you have a couple different companies, you also have a website, you have all this like social following. Um, but actually, like really the reason why I go to your site most of the time and your Instagram, which is at PaleoChef for anybody that yes. wants to listen, is um, you have this mixture of amazing food and restaurant recommendations mm -hmm. and tandem with amazing poetry and word, words and verbiage. So like Thanks. just pull out. Yeah. Pull out for a few of us. Like what are your favorite poets and what's the, what's the impetus of the poetry before the paleo? Well, so I had to decide, or I, I didn't decide, it comes out naturally how I show up to the world. So some people start a business and they're just a brand or they start a craft and they're just an actor, just a musician. I don't really, I'm only now starting to realize that my food is a talent. I just show up and I, however I'm feeling, I'm there for the day. And I feel like the message that I want to provide it's going to be sprinkled in with food. Food's a really great little like carrot, like, Oh, look at all this great food I'm making, but then look at how I'm feeling. <laughs> um, poetry. I mean, I love finding modern day poets and Nair Wahid is one I post about often JM storm. I really like as well. Their words speak to me. They're very empowering without denying some serious emotion and strife. Mm. Uh, Beautiful. And that stuff, I just speak, if it speaks to me, I'm going to share it and I'm going to share it as though I'm speaking to my past self or future self. Cause my Instagram is really much a dear diary. And if people resonate with it as well, that's great. I don't really have an expectation after I post about it. Yeah. I love that. So you're not actually there for the likes and all of that, which so many people are. No, you'll see somebody asked me recently, do you delete pictures that don't have a lot of likes? And I'm like, Mm, that's a weird question. Makes me feel how have weird feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I'm the same way. I think it's, uh, I'm supposed to have a journal every day and I'm really shitty at doing most things that I'm supposed to do. And so I kind of yeah. consider oh, my journal. Yeah, exactly. We just did a virtual high five. If you guys can see it right now, PT dubs. Um, Okay, now I want to go kind of like take you back because um, I read through your website and was totally, you know, creepy internet stocky, but um, about your journey. And like when we originally talked, I was really impressed by your journey from my sort of world, I feel like in a way of corporations and finance yeah. and tech to where you are today. So how do you share that story with people? I think it depends. On, on whatever I remember that day. <laughs> um, so non-traditional. So I come from an academic family. Everyone is academic. They all have PhDs and doctrines. I'm the first person in the entire family not to go to college. So I have that opposite story. Technically a high school dropout, went straight into corporate America, uh, got to work at a company called VeriSign. I did Thing. Like my first job when I was in high school, I was a shift supervisor at Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> so I had all those little tiny jobs, reception, things like that. But my first real 
career-oriented job was at VeriSign, and I did sales. I didn't know it was sales at the time. I just thought I was helping people buy things. I didn't understand this concept of commission or any of that kind of stuff until I got a commission check, and I was like, holy shit, I'm rich. (laughs) Amazing. When you're that young and you get a check like that, you're like, whoa, I'm buying everybody's shots of tequila tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Tequila. Uh, But... And I didn't under, I didn't even really know that VeriSign was a really well-respected company in Silicon Valley. And that working there opened the doors to a lot of other companies. Um, and something that what I think played to my advantage is I didn't really, I didn't really understand what I was doing. So I came at it from a naive perspective, which opened the world of possibility of how I would do my job. It makes me think of a quote. I don't know who said it, but it's something along the lines of don't ever teach a designer how to sew. So that, and you'll find I don't read a lot of self-help books or business books because that comes to mind. I go, I want to come to the idea or the conclusion naturally by my own path. Mm-hmm. So I think that played to my advantage because I always had a different way of selling a product or different way of packaging. Or sometimes I would sell a, a concept in tech before it existed and walk over to developers and be like, so I just sold this $20,000 package. Do you have the code to do this? Is this possible? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, which made it a lot of fun for me, but it also made it to where the day I didn't want to show up to a job anymore was the day I would resign and I wouldn't have a new job lined up. I would just find a new job. So that pretty much sums up 10 years of my tech life. And it was a lot of fun. Um, but the entire time I was also dealing with health issues. So I had had migraines and hormone issues and rashes and just random stuff sometimes happening from second grade all the way like 24. 425, 26. And when you're in corporate America and you're really young, by default, you're younger than everyone else, generally by a decade. And I was also one of the only females, sometimes the only female, not just on the team, but that entire floor or sometimes the entire arm of, of the of the company. And when you don't feel good for whatever reason, everyone wants to assume you got dumped by a boy. It was really annoying. I would be sad because I'm sick or I'd miss a day and they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't even, I don't even understand the correlation. Some somebody in company be like, Oh, did something happen with a guy? Granted, I've never talked about a significant other. So it's so weird to me. So I, I would power through pain. I would take naps under my desk with sunglasses on and I wouldn't talk about the pain. I would, if I was having sometimes food would make me vomit right away and I would like eat and then go throw up. And like, it was really bad. Uh, but I also accepted it as that, that maybe that's just my baseline because doctors didn't really know what was wrong. Then I figured out um, after watching a TED talk by Dr. Terry Walls, which I think is really important for people to listen to in general, talking about the mitochondria and ways to support the mitochondrial function. Uh, Dr. Terry Walls is known for having full-blown MS and putting it into remission wow. um, using the Walls protocol. And I'm like, that's interesting. And then somebody at work talked to me about her um, celiac diagnosis. I was done with my doctors. So I sent out my own lab work to get specific types of testing done. Found out I was a celiac and was like, this is the greatest day of my life. And within three months of changing the way that I ate, all those issues went away. And what's interesting about what I thought I was hiding was I'm someone who's too, I speak up a lot. I have problems with process a lot. And 
I think I'm negative, but I guess the way that I was showing up at work was I heard someone say this, you know, Mary is definitely someone who'll come to you and tell you what's wrong with what you're doing, but she'll immediately present you with a solution. She won't waste words. And when I felt better, I got the feedback was, you know, what are you doing? You're always really optimistic. You're always really passionate, but there's a different sense of calm and clarity. Hmm. What are you doing now? And I'm like, well, I don't have migraines anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt, I felt the difference. I, and, and when somebody noticed, I've done a lot of corporate coaching. I was doing that with someone and they asked me to um, explain to them what is the paleo diet. And I had found paleo, I backdoored into the world of paleo. I really found mm-hmm. out my diagnosis and, and the mitochondrial support. And then paleo was getting popular. And that's much easier to say than I don't eat casein and gluten and da da da. So I was going through why I believe eating this way was good and the amount of clarity it gave me. And I said, you know, it, I want to make decisions every day from, a, from the, the perspective of feeling good. Because when I'm not feeling good, I'm not good at making good decisions something I'm sure we've all heard. And this person said to me, you know, I don't have time for this. Can't you just cook this stuff for me? And, and the reason why he had said that is I've always cooked being Middle Eastern. It's just part of the repertoire. And, you know, I laughed and said, you know, I don't really cook. This is tech is what I do. And they're like, you know, well, I'm willing to pay this much um, for a private chef. And I like grew an invisible beard. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> comparable. And, it, and at the time I was thinking like, this is really good side cash. I live in San Francisco. Extra money is always great in San Francisco. So I took this person on as a client and then I had just been introduced to an oral surgeon because I was getting uh, my, all my wisdom taken out because uh, they were impacted and they were wrapped in, in a veins or in a, in a, what's it called? A nerve. And they put me under. And when I, when I came back for my appointment the next day for the follow-up, apparently I also pitched my oral surgeon on being his private chef as I was <laughs> under. No surprise. <laughs> two clients were my first clients on accident. And I was trying to cook for both of them while having my corporate job. My body said, what the hell are you doing? We can't do both of these things. So I had to choose. Um, and I mean, there's an interesting story that went around, like how I finally chose, which I can share if you want me to, but ultimately I decided sure. I'd never try full paleo, paleo chef, because I could always go back to corporate. So you remember sort of the moment that you actually chose? Was it when you found out you had those two clients? No, it's kind of ridiculous. I think that's so. a good baseline <laughs> to start at, as you would say. <laughs> um, so I'd taken the day off and I had a former colleague hanging out with me, a role playing hooky for the day. I'm walking into the ferry building. Um, I'm like, in my head, what am I going to do? Can I make this work? And I'm, I see a man approaching the door, so I hold the door open for him. He's shocked that someone held the door open in a busy day. And he goes, wow, thank you. I'm shocked that he even noticed that I opened the door and said, thank you. And I'm like, of course, you're welcome. Women can be gentlemen too. And he keeps walking. And my friend's staying there quiet. And she looks at me and she goes, do you not know who that is? I'm like, no, I'm in my own world. She goes, you are so stubborn, Mary. You are so stupid. You've taken the day off from work to decide if you want to be a chef. And you literally open the door for Tyler Florence, a famous chef. Like how much more of a sign do you need? Oh, all right, I guess I'm quitting. Like, I, like that's my sign. 
<laughs> and I tweeted at him that like when you open the door for Tyler Florence and you don't realize that I'm really sorry, like really love your work. And he tweeted back, followed me and, and has been following my work since and has sent some tweets of encouragement. Okay, that's an incredible story. Wasn't like, yeah, well, you know, I got five clients and it was profitable, so off I went. Of course not. <laughs> not at all. Okay, wait. So I want to talk about um, multiple ways I want to go here, but I also want to talk about the fact that you, so the private chef thing to me is fascinating and the paleo thing is fascinating, but like that wasn't enough for you. You wanted to add a product company on top of it and not just like any product company, but a food company having- But did I want to do that? I don't know. So that's the question. Like, because yeah, I grew up thinking, oh, I'm going to be a fudge packer when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give them some context. Her yeah. company is called Fat Fudge. <laughs> um, and it's this, I mean, I'm not going to do us justice, but I remember when I first tried it, it's this amazing performance food for, I mean, how I use it is because I travel nonstop. So yeah. I will be a little fat kid if I don't have snacks in my bag that are healthy. Otherwise I have zero, uh, you know, self-control, but, but like, so what, what's the deal? So you were private chefing for however long and then uh, you, Oh, before, before fat fudge came to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, hmm, I think it was private chefing. So I've been doing this now for four years. Mm -hmm. I think just under four, I lose time. Not very long. I've been private chefing for a year and a half, two years. I'd been making a form of fat fudge at the time I was calling it functional fudge. So boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was making it for my clients that are professional athletes because uh, they needed something portable that was like goo packets or gel packets, but that was actually made with non-crap stuff. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I was making this – no, I don't ever have an easy answer or easy story. It's always all these different stories. So I've got – the functional fudge I'm making for my professional athletes' clients. I've got unicorn fuel, which is a version of that solid fat fudge stuff, but it was in a coffee drink. And that I would make for like my, my entrepreneurial, my writer clients in the morning. They would have that. And then I was working on something for a sports team, specifically to figuring out something for a gel pack replacement. I wasn't even looking at the, the functional fudge as it being that replacement. Huh. So those things were going on. Unicorn fuel was uh, a recipe I posted. The functional fudge was a recipe that I posted. Unicorn fuel, I called it unicorn fuel as a joke. <laughs> it went viral. Um, a couple of years ago, Paleo Magazine, it was voted as one of the best coffee hacks. So we're, we're stuck with unicorn fuel. It's going to be called that. Then when I realized what fat fudge could be as when I accidentally did something and ended up combining both unicorn fuel ingredients with the fat functional fudge, um, that recipe was posted. That recipe went viral. That recipe went so viral that people were taking pictures of their fat fudge that they made at home in sandwich baggies, begging me to turn it into a product. So I was asked to turn it into a product. Which is amazing because so many business owners say like, go sell one thing of whatever it is you want to create before you start the company. And I always laugh. And that's advice I've been given multiple times. Yeah. I try to pass on to others, but you'll be amazed how many people start companies before they actually sell something. And you did it the opposite. You're like, I don't really know if I want to create a company, but all these people want to already buy it. And so I have a built-in market. But you got a lot of no's. I mean, so I remember reading one of your like reposts on Fat Fudge where you kind yeah. of say, here's the story. And the story was, 
people said, you can't self-fund. You've never done this before. You're not big enough. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough, whatever it may be, but you kind of did it anyways. And though some of those people are business owners and authors of books that we all read and and it was kind of ironic to hear from them, all these no's. Interesting. Um, And Noah laughs at me because he goes, you know, what I love about you is you'll call me for advice. I'll give it to you. And then you'll do the total opposite and it'll work for you <laughs> because sometimes I think you just call me because you want to hear your own voice outside of your head and then you make decisions. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, and that's what happened with Fat Fudge. I was trying to figure out, I went through different iterations of like, you know, how do I package this? Cause it's solid in the freezer, but it's a, a fudge, it's sludge, not, not in the fridge. And people, a lot of manufacturers didn't want to work with butter. So I was like, okay, I have to do this at home. I have to do this myself. So I had a ketchup bottle that I was squeezing fat fudge in these individual little packets and then using a heat sealer. I bought an Amazon. I went through like six of them because they're only made to like heat seal like your dinner once in a while, not 10,000 individual packets. But before I even started doing that, I'm like, let's see if there's a market. Uh, I did a couple prototypes and posted them on Instagram. Like, is this what you guys are looking for? Is this kind of what you want? And they're like, yeah, I totally want to buy this. So I was like, all right. I, I think that there's a lot of magic on the other side of fuck it. So I was like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote. I'm stealing that. I'm going to just put it up there. So I put it basic Shopify. The Shopify page is still the original page. I haven't updated it. There's, it's going through a, white, a website redesign now. But I put up a basic site. I had a price that was way too low at the time. I know this now. And I said, okay, you guys, I went on Periscope. I posted to Instagram. I went on Periscope. I was wearing a unicorn head and a bikini because it was summer. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone saw the bikini. It was just, it was just my head on the video. But from here, because I didn't have AC in my old place. And I was like, and I had my unicorn head. I'm like, okay, there are 50 orders of fat fudge up right now. Go. And uh, within one hour, it sold out, which wasn't even the coolest part. It's, it's who purchased it. I, I don't always know who's following my work. And then the names that came through where I was like, oh, shit, I'm like on to something because you shouldn't get validation from other people. I get that. But these were people that I really respected their work tremendously. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. But now that meant I had to figure out how I was going to hand pack 600 packets. No, then I had to figure that out after the fact. And I would do 50 orders every Monday. And it got to a point where I would sell out in under one second. And I would get angry emails. What is this, a Beyonce ticket? Level <laughs> like, we were so mad. Like, I'm so pissed. I put a calendar reminder. And I'm like, so- sorry, I'm one person. And then I got to a point where I had to definitely scale and, and find a manufacturer. And that takes the, the really high minimums with the manufacturer, huge minimums. Um, I didn't want an investor. I wasn't at a shortage of people wanting to invest. Why didn't you want one? Um, well, coming from, from Silicon Valley, I know that the game changes when you take on investors. I in my personal life, don't have any debt. I wasn't about to take on debt. I have a very unique, naturally doing business. I didn't want somebody over me telling me, don't say this, don't represent this. Uh, And then some of these offers were ridiculous. Like one of my clients was like, you know, I want 50% of my business and wanted to be a first time investor. I'm like, you're watching way too much Shark Tank. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not how this works. 
And the money that I needed to get started, it didn't make sense to give up any of my business. And I reserved the right to change my mind in a couple of years if I wanted to take a huge investment. Yeah. So I just kept saying no. And, I, and then I said, you know, I'll just do what I always do. I'll have a conversation with my audience. I said, look, I found a manufacturer. I'm going to take this much money to, to scale. I need you guys to pre-order the crap out of this so I can fund this under the, under the understanding that this might take several months to get out to you. I don't want to do Kickstarter because I'm not held accountable for the individual order on Kickstarter and it's a full-time job and there's a lot of fees that could help what we're doing. I don't want an investor. I'm not taking out a bank loan. So just help me out 30 days. And I only asked for help from my readers. I didn't reach out to any of my friends with platforms. I didn't like put together like, here's what you just say. None of that. Anyone that helped me, helped me without asking, which made my heart feel good. <laughs> uh, so in 30 days, I did just under $90,000 in pre-orders that helped me kickstart that fudge. Um, and then two manufacturers made $80,000 errors. Ugh. And you're like, this is painful. So there is just so much. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, so do you have to eat those costs when that happens? So um, traditionally, yes. The first one, I had some choice words for this person. Um, and settled on half and half. And then the, the way I work with um, a firm that I, now, it's I only pay per end unit. So if I order 50,000 packets and they only deliver 30,000 packets, I'm only paying for 30,000 packets and they have to eat the rest of it, which is something I recommend for anyone that's in the food industry is because it's very archaic. It's, it's, it hasn't changed much. And they expect people like me to eat those costs because in the past they always have eaten those costs. Mm -hmm. um, I'll put it this way. The, the manufacturer that made that error previously had been working with a lot of other brands that are far, much farther along than I am. And when I had that experience, to me, that's unacceptable from the way my brain works. So I called my friends at these companies and they all said, yeah, that's just how business is done. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not accepting this. I'm going to find somebody else to work with. And each one of them said, when you find someone new, can you tell us? Like, <laughs> I'm like, you guys are the ones with all the money and you want me to do all the legwork because, so I'm going to be the disruptor in this. Great. Great. Um, so that's, it's kind of just how it works. And I refuse to accept that that's the way it's going to be. So I kept looking until I found someone that wanted to care about my product as much as I do. So Fascinating. And so what, where do you think you get, like, one of the things I love about you is like that fire and that like not willing to, or willing to figure out what you will not accept and then try to change it. Um, like, so like, what is the impetus of that? Do you think you got that through tech? Do you have a practice for making sure, like, I don't know, you keep your balls on every morning when you, when you have to go and get them or like, how do you, I think it's, I think it's actually like a disorder. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disorder. I don't think so. I mean, in, at least in my business, that ability to be able to grind and push when you get pushed, it's, you know, it's few and far between. But I do think like I apply to, or I live by the principle that, um, you know, assume the best, but prepare for the worst always. And typically in business, at least in my case, usually the worst kind of happens in the beginning. Um, it's a yeah. little bit of like a test your metal and then things yes. get much easier, you know? Yes. 
I wouldn't say easier. You just either have created a, a foundation and a structure so you can handle the tests that come later, um, or you get much better at forecasting those issues so they never even come at all. Because yeah. it doesn't get easier. That's a good point. Maybe, yeah, maybe you just learn to manage them a little bit more. Um, and I don't know why I'm built this way. I mean, I'm, I'm motivated by mortality mm. in life in general. I don't know how that applies to business. Um, but I, if something doesn't make sense to me, I have to make sense of it. Otherwise, I can't breathe. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean motivated by mortality? What does that mean to you? We're all going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Uh, my job today is to show up as I am. I love that. Many of my friends from high school are no longer alive. Hmm. I did hospice improvement counseling at a young age um, because I was trying to understand what was going to be happening with my aunt at the time that was dying of Lou Gehrig's. My parents are the youngest of both their families, so I went to funerals before I ever went to birthday parties. We're all going to die. I just need people to show up and enjoy their lives. Um, which is probably why I don't like wasting a day at a company I don't want to be at or a relationship I don't want to be at in or anything of that sort. It has to bring me joy or if it's not bringing me joy, I need to be able to be bringing it value to make it better. I couldn't agree more. I think the moment that I realized that things started to change for me because a lot of people shy away from death. It's a scary thing. Um, but I, but I think when you actually lean into it and you start with the fact that the only thing we know for certain is that we will die this is the only thing. Everything else could change in life, but that we know. Yeah. And so if you start with that, then it makes it a lot simpler to put things in perspective. If you think about it, like if you think about, okay, I'm going to die one day. Everything I care about, everyone I care about is going to die one day. Strip away all the noise. What is my core fundamental values? And once you identify those values, making decisions day to day becomes so much easier because like, do they align with these values if everything was taken away? And you, I remember, this is making me remember your eat, play, crush thing, um, which is, you know, the hashtag that Mary has on, on Paleo Chef. But I remember when you talked to me about your process for getting to that, you started asking yourself some of those questions, like, what do I stand for? Like, but right. then also, what do I live for? And so what was your process to get to that? And um, say those were your, are those your values? It's, it started, it started with, because when I first entered world of being self-employed around a lot of marketers, and they're like, you have to have like a slogan. What do you stand for? And I'm like, okay, well, I eat clean. My entire life I've played, I've always like been the one when even when I was in corporate, had the tequila cart and pin the sushi on Mary and like all that I always wanted to play. So playing is important to me. And then what do I do? I I've used crush life for as long as I can remember. But I had shied away from the word crush because right before that, a, a woman had said to me in a public forum don't you think you'd be more successful if you used other words other than crush and dominate and conquest and softer words? And I started to question that about my, I'm like, maybe, is it, is it, I wasn't sure. And then I was like, what are you doing? Why are you questioning yourself? I'm like, I crush life. That's what I do. So there was eat, play, crush. And then even that I was like, is that what I want to lead with? And I'd already posted it. And um, a couple of months into Eat, Play, Crush, and it fully stands for Eat, Clean, Play, Off, and 
crush life or have a crush on life. That's feminine, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I was questioning not eat, play, crush as the words I chose, but I was questioning, did I make the right choice in leaving become a private chef? So I just moved down to LA. So I was in San Francisco, I became a private chef, did that for a year. It wasn't enough. So I, I was like, sold everything I owned and came to LA because my gut told me to be in LA, not because I had clients or had a reason. And then I was questioning that when I was here and I was on the couch and I had a friend visiting from Chicago and she knew I was kind of in a a crappy mood. And at the same time, a reader had tweeted at me, Hey, I have a surprise for you. I'm going to tweet at you later. Um, Just like stay tuned. And I was like, Oh yeah, cool. Whatever. And, uh, and then I get uh, another tweet and it's a picture and I get the picture and I'm like, holy shit. And I called my friend. I'm like, come down here, come down here right now. And this reader had been following my work for um, about a year. She's been on her own health journey for much longer than that. And she had lost a hundred pounds. And she said that she was having a hard time summarizing what she stands for. And that I summarized it in three words, which was eat, play, crush. And she tattooed across her forearm, hashtag eat, play, crush. Oh, I'm like goosebumps right now. And my friend, who's not the same friend that was with me when I decided to quit, had the same feedback. Is this a big enough sign for you to know you didn't make a mistake? You stupid, stubborn girl. (laughs) These are good friends. I sense a trend. Oh yeah, my, my best friends yell at me. <laughs> they like shake it out of me. Uh, and that's where it came from. And what I loved about her story and the stories that I see, the people that use the hashtag is, and this is, I don't prescribe anything on my site. I don't say this is the way you have to live. I, I give you an idea and people will run with it and they make it their own. And that's what I love. So she had made it her own. And I, I pulled her up on Skype and she was, pretty badass woman um and it it, it's cool it's really cool I just again I just want people to show up yeah I couldn't agree more I mean I'm in this phase lately where I'm thinking a lot about um about purpose in many aspects of my life and about um a little bit about like whose purpose I allow to or not who I allow but who I buy into and who am I who am I giving like my money, my time, my, my focus too also. Um, and so I'm doing this little challenge with one of my girlfriends who just went through something pretty heavy. So I took her away for the weekend for, for, um, to Cabo last weekend. And, um, I was thinking about, okay, so we've maybe gotten to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We're at a place where like, I'm not homeless. Like, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm feeling pretty good about life and the basic needs. And, um, there still feels like there's like a little hole, you know, like what's, what's next and how do you fill that hole with some purpose and impact? And I think you do it in your job, but we're going to do it also through conscious consumerism. So I want to try for 90 days. I'm not going to buy anything that isn't, that I don't actually know the owners of the company Mm -hmm. that's not local or that I don't believe in the mission. And, um, and hopefully I get two of the three. And so I want to like really have a, not that hard, dude. Yeah, maybe, but think about it. Gas, airplane tickets, hotels, uh, cars. Um, oh, I mean, you're like everything. Well, I just want to be very aware when I'm not, yeah. and I want to tell on myself when I'm yeah. not, yeah. right? And so every time I get on Amazon, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to ship myself a bunch of like waters or like whatever. Like, well, 
that would not be from a founder that I know and believe in. It wouldn't be from a local thing. And so, and then I thought, wow, what power if we did that kind of across the board, if you have the money to make an impact, why not buy fat fudge as opposed to buy, I don't know, whatever brand from men's health and fitness magazine. Um, so I do, I am big on that mission and purpose and aligning. And having the whole is very motivating. I don't know that the, the whole, the whole is a bad thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, happiness is full spectrum emotions. It's the, the other side of things. Yeah. It's I when think. I'm in my, in the most, it's when I am having the most pain, I actually feel the most grateful. Yeah. Oh, that's deep. What about like one thing that jumped out at me that you talked to me about too, because we talked, laughed about this. I'm a process junkie. It's just like, you I are. get excited. Even the question you asked me, I don't know if you noticed, I smirked when you asked that, when you asked me the question in the, in the breakout, I was like, oh, cute. I know. <laughs> Your question was like, can you give me three bullets? And, and then the follow-up bullets that I was like, and like a notepad. And yeah. I was like, you see my disheveled, curly, crazy hair. Nothing about me is organized, but okay. I, I really get into tactics. I mean, I like the alignment of purpose, but I like being able to act on it. Yeah, um, totally. But you talk about something that I thought was interesting. I'm really big lately on this balance of promotion versus creation okay. and how much time to spend on promoting versus creating. And then interestingly, even more like within creating, how do you create a mindset, a space or whatever, where you feel truly like motivated and creating. And one thing that you said, I recall you doing is like, there are different things you limit during your day that you like pretty purposefully create space within your day. Not just, you know, today, like we we're talking about, but often do you have like conscious processes like that? Well, I don't respond. Sometimes I don't check my email for a few days. Sometimes I don't, I mean, I don't, I just become a clueless. I spend time in my own space. So like I have, I have my, I wouldn't even call it a routine, but I have things they do when I get up mm -hmm. and it's like my apple cider vinegar, black seed oil, water thing. And then I take my dog out and I take my time doing that. I have an inversion table for my lower back and I'll listen to like film scores or classical music or sometimes mm. a gangster rap. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, those are things that are somewhat constant, but I'm, I'm, I don't spread myself thin throughout the day. So I'll do one or two things and the rest of the day is pretty fluid because I, I do believe in respecting laziness and respecting mm -hmm. procrastination. Mm -hmm. yeah. The idea is not ready to come. The action's not ready to be. And I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's the complete opposite of when you're in corporate America, like you're supposed to act right away and it needs to be done. And there's a quota and all these things. Check, but I, check, like, check. Yeah. And um, I have an excessive personality, not an addictive personality. So I, if I'm thinking of a friend, we'll have a lot of hangout and talk time for two or three weeks. And then we won't talk for a couple weeks and someone else would have been in that next two weeks. Cause I'm, I'm one, like I have to be 100% with someone in front of me, which is why mm -hmm. I like at the conference, I like had my little breakdowns where I was out in the hallway eating on the floor. I'm like, there's so many people here. <laughs> But kind of amazing because we're all so scattered. So that ability to be totally tuned in. Um, I'm, I'm reading The Rise of Superman. Have you read that? Well, I'm listening to it on audiobooks. No, I had dinner with the author though. Yeah. Well, yeah. So he's a member of Summit too. I don't know if you do the whole Summit thing, but. Um, I've been asked three times this week yesterday by the chef. Get out, really? It's like six degrees of Summit, I feel like. Everybody. 
might, I might accept the, in, the most recent invite because the most recent invites like come play in the kitchen. So like, don't even worry about dealing with the summit. Just come yeah. play in the kitchen. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, you should definitely do it. I'll, we'll, we'll think of the two people there that you can interact <laughs> with and tell everybody else to beat it. But um, you're reading the book. Yeah, no, but the, it's really cool. It's about flow states. Um, yeah, I'm really fascinated with flow state. Um, I haven't read the book, so you can tell me if it, if, if it aligns with, you know, a, a word becomes buzzy and then everyone's all about the word and everyone's mm-hmm. talking about it. And I, mm-hmm. and I have this joke, you know, if you guys all keep reading the same books, you're all going to just be sharing, sharing the same ideas. Yeah, that's true. I don't believe flow is something you visit and then exit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Visit. Flow is something that I think you can sustain for days, months, maybe even years. Hmm. Um, and I don't think, I don't know. I guess I, I look at flow from the perspective of like an athlete. On, on the court, so like I watch the Warriors basketball. It's my jam. So I'm watching the Warriors. And then when Clay Thompson gets in the flow, we're like, he went unconscious. He's just like there. So he's not in his head going like, these are the steps I need to take. He just is so keenly present that he's not even, he's not even thinking. He's just moving in his body. And I feel like you can get like that in your day to day. It's just this strange sense of I'm feeling everything at the same time, but okay with it. Yeah. yeah you're going to love, I mean, you would like the book. It's basically that it's about extreme sports flow states and extreme sports. Basically, it's that idea like Tony Hawk talks about it when he first did, I don't know anything about skateboarding, so excuse me, except that I like a longboard, but I go like this, like there's one movement and it's forward. Um, But he talks about his first time doing like a 360 or a 180 or whatever, and how that had never been done before. And then the second he did it, all of these people like, you know, it proliferated because we found out that it was possible to do it. And talk about flow states enabling these extreme sports athletes to accomplish. These so how does flow state enable you to have a, an extremely present living all day state? Yeah. I mean, I think that's something I have to think about. The, one, the most thing, the, the, the thing that keeps me in flow the most is meditation in the morning and working out at some point in time. But I have- Are a, you in flow during those times or does it enable to be in flow in between those times too? If I do it consistently, it's, it has, a, I think, a, a momentum effect for me. So, and it compounds um, so I can stay in it. If I get out of those for a while and I don't practice them, mm-hmm. uh, then I struggle. And what I've found is like certain things will kick me out of flow states like what? Uh, if I allow them to when I'm not aligned with the things I should be doing, when I'm doing a ton of promotion on something that I really don't want to promote on. And I don't realize it. Really? Okay. Cause you don't realize that I'm like, wait, why are you yeah. doing that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Cody, get it together. <laughs> yeah. If you know, I, I, I'm grinding on something and I don't ask myself, does this align to my values of let's say eat, play, crush or whatever it is. Do you think the process of getting the flow is different for a man versus a woman? Mm. Hormones can affect flow. Yeah. They uh, not the other flow. <laughs> I think it's gotta be different for every human. Um, I, I think we're all like really cool weirdos that are totally wired differently. And, um, and there's like a few things that are interestingly similar in all of us, but how boring would it be if we were all the same? So I'd like to think that flow would be different. Although then I read my horoscope and I'm like, well, this is fucking me. And, <laughs> and you know your Myers-Briggs too? I do, but not off the top of my head, but I'm basically like type A Johnny intensity is Cody. 
Johnny intensity. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I actually don't think you're that intense. I think you're that enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, definitely. I have a passion for life and I can't, I can't stop it. Even if somebody tried to make me. Um, Where does your passion for life come from? I, I think, I actually think it started when I started thinking about death. I think when I realized we're finite and I like to let it soak in, in a real way. When uh, was that? I think it started probably from death. Like uh, my sister died really young. So, um, oh, really? and I was young. Yeah. Six. So, um, I just knew that was possible really. And she did nothing wrong. Right. She's a baby. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. deserve it. Um, but because of that, like how many things matter when you're faced with that? Yeah. Not much. I had the, the realization of mortality at a young age like that too. Yeah. The same it's thing through death. Kind of weird. Um, I, I knew it would already, I'd already been to a funeral and that I was sitting on my parents' bed and my dad has this, they have a routine. He comes home from work as he's like taking off his tie and, and getting undressed into comfortable clothes. He would then be telling my mom about his day and I would just sit on the bed and play. And they were talking and I remember the room going really silent and me having this vivid realization that they're going to die one day. Hmm. And I just started weeping and they're like, what's wrong? I'm like, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, honey, it's okay. And, I, and uh, it's such a, I don't have kids, so I don't know if that's normal for kids to have that realization that young, but it, that came really young. It was like, crap. It's kind of a blessing, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And I do think most people feel that. I really do. It's hard to not to have that, that feeling. I think they do. I think you just, most people don't lean into it. Most people do other things to escape from it. And maybe that's like why midlife crises happen because they're like, oh shit, I am going to die. And so cover it up, cover it up, cover it up. Painful. Did you ever have like a quarter life crisis or anything like that? I mean, probably every Tuesday, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tuesday at one thirty. Um, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think each time I made a job change, like that's when I re the second that I had your realization, like, what am I doing? I hate this. Bam. Yeah. Something change. Um, but hopefully now I'm moving more out of reactive zone and more into proactively searching. Um, and that's been something cool for me. Okay, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm taking up all your day now. I feel extra bad because I know you have two things on your day. <laughs> my day is like, I don't really want to do anything today. <laughs> Which is my fate. I have like literally my notes. You would be so embarrassed by the bullets that are on here. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Um, I want to end with, I think you're wearing it. Are you wearing the graphic shirt that you made right now? Oh, this is one of my first shirts. Yeah, Eat, Play, Crush. Okay, so like, is that what you would put? So if you had a graphic tee, I'm really into graphic tees, kind of. Um, what would you put on it? Any packs that I made. Optimus. I was wondering. Okay, so I want to link a couple things for you. I want to link the Optimus fanny packs because I think those are so rad. And I have a friend who came to me and was like, you don't realize it, but fanny packs are cool again. And I told them to beat it. They were always cool. <laughs> I know. What is this person talking about? <laughs> Yep. And I said, I think I showed you. They are. That's usually what kills fashion is if it's functional. But in the fanny pack realm, I'm in. I'm going to be one of the first buyers. No, I won't. They're going to sell out one, one second. One of the first things I sent to you was um, like, help me with my fashion. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love your fashion. It's one of my favorites. Um, okay. I want two other things from you. One, the book that's your personal Bible. Do you have one? No. Be and, the and, Little Red Men? 
<laughs> I died. Really? I had that book on my desk in corporate America. Okay. I'm linking. I have to read it. I don't even know what that is. Never read the little, it's a, ch- a children's book. The little red figure. that wanted like, to ask everybody on the farm to help her make the bread. They all had excuses as to why they wouldn't help her. And then when the bread was done, they all wanted to eat the bread. And she's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think that needs to be a video on you your, like, your channel too. <laughs> Have you done a video on it? That's you. Maybe your next video needs to be you in a chicken head. <laughs> Walking around. Yeah, with the little red hen story. Uh, I dig it. Yeah, no, I don't have any, like, I have, I have, um, which is awful because a lot of my friends are authors. I don't really have, I read a lot of um, fiction. Yeah. Um, I enjoy fiction. I, outside of, like, you know, how to do your taxes and how to learn a new process of, of cooking technique. I'd be horrified if your favorite book was how to do your taxes, by the way. <laughs> And then the books, like, like um, what's the book? $100 Startup, somebody gave to me when I first left corporate America. And I, and I started reading it. And I thought it was cool that it mentioned paleo in there. And then a couple years later, Chris became a friend of mine. He'd reached out. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I, so that book stands out in my mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't, have a, I don't have a book that's my Bible at all. Because I feel like I'm busy writing my own book in my head. Which I love. And finding your own sort of ways to do it. Okay, what about... What would you leave everyone with today? So we've like really gone the spectrum. I'm going to link where they can find you, which is at Paleo Chef pretty much everywhere. Yes. Um, I and Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go against you. Um, and we're going to link Unicorn Fuel and your YouTube channel, which is super cool. Oh yeah, yeah I forgot that I have that mixed makeup. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so unorganized I am. Like, oh yeah, I have a YouTube show. <laughs> I think I think that's part of the charm. Um, and Fat Fudge and your website. But um, what would you leave everybody with today who's listening? Me and my mom and my grandma mostly. <laughs> what would I leave everybody with? Be excellent to each other. I love it. Especially now more than ever. Yeah, just be excellent to each other. You're all gonna die be excellent to each other. <laughs> I like the dot, dot, dot. I think that's important. She didn't mean you're just all going to die, just, but you are, but she means be excellent too. All right, yeah. Mary, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. And I know you're going to make an impact on people listening here, just like you do on Instagram and everywhere else. Thanks, buddy. Always. Always.